raise the bar. Tell us about your mantra, purpose over popularity. What does that mean specifically? Uh, specifically, I think so many people focus, especially with the social media age out, uh, so many people focus on popularity and they don't focus enough on the purpose in life, what they here on earth to do. Um, you know, I've been famous for a long time, popular for a long time. I had a super successful career in stand-up comedy super successful career in uh, film and television and production. Um, and when I started serving, I felt how important it was and how good it made me feel uh, as a servant to that, you know, my purpose was way more important than my popularity. And, you know, you know, everybody can't handle fame. You know, everybody doesn't understand that fame is can be the most detrimental thing to people's lives ever. And you see people all the time become famous and how they act and how they treat people and how they they just lose track of where God has them going or had them going. So when I say purpose over popularity, I always just tell people that, you know, my purpose is to be here on earth to help serve my communities, to help make people you know, feel better, happy, uh, understand what they're going through and try to help them with these situations. And I think I think that's the best um, thing for all of us to do is to focus on our purpose in life and not so much our popularity. Um, I wanted to follow up with that. Do you, um, have you ever felt like, has your stance changed on that since you are a veteran of the stage and like, was there ever a time where popularity was important to you? No, or? I think I think we all fall into that that um, trap sometimes. Of popularity can slide us to a right, to the right a little bit, and we feel like we're bigger than the moments. And you know, you know, God will bring you back to reality through you know understanding, or He'll put something in front of you, or He'll stop something from happening and make you really pay attention to why you really are who you are. And um, I would be lying if I told you that that never happened to me. So I think that helps all of us to see where we need to be. If we're smart enough to see it and, and really realize it and stand on it. Uh, and, you know, I, every day I wake up, I just try to realize that I don't want to be one of those individuals that, you know, wake up to please everybody. You know, I wake up to please God first and then to help my community and Love to help people. You're listening I've seen a lot like, you know, I've seen a lot of beautiful things culturally. I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of bad things, you know, culturally. 
I've seen, you know, how we in our communities um, sometimes do not uh, really come together. And, and, and it, it pains me to know that if we did come together, how powerful we will be as communities. So, uh, yeah, you know, when you get thrown off your, your rail, you know, sometimes a lot of people don't have people to bring them back on that rail. They don't have close friends to say, I right, don't do that. No, that ain't cool. You know, sometimes people motivate you to do um, things that you know you shouldn't do. So, and we all fall victim of that. And, you know, hopefully you'll have people around you that pick you up, pick you up and put you, I'm sorry about that, pick you up okay. and put you back on that path um, that you need to be on. So, yeah, I've been there before, but I, I try to stay my uh, away from that totally. Definitely. So. Definitely. Uh, now, you said something um, a, a few seconds ago um, in terms of D.C. Uh, um, I read in an article that you wanted to bring people's spirits to another level by uniting D.C. again. So can you elaborate on that a little bit, um, just like your mindset? Because um, you also said that your campaign is based on love. So I feel like those two might tie in together to some extent. So, um, Yeah, I, my campaign, you know, when people ask me about what, what's my platform, you know, that's that's a quote-unquote favorite question to ask um, a person who's running for office. What's your platform? What do you stand on? And I, and I tell them, you know, I stand on love, care, and respect, you know, first and foremost. And I feel like if we, you know, you know, have more of that in our society and in our city, you know, we can come together with our differences aside. You know, we all have things that are different, but we have a lot of similarities that we can stand on. And I think we should concentrate a lot more on those similarities than our differences. And if we did, you know, we can, you know, unite everyone. And, you know, I stand on that, that, that mantra of uniting everyone. If you ever see me, out, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't shade toward, you know, right or left. I just, I treat people how they should be treated. And I think that's just where we need to be in life. You know, there's rude people in society and they might don't speak, but you know, you can't fall into that rudeness. There's prejudiced people in society, you know, it's not right, but you can't fall into that prejudice. You know, it's people that, you know, need uplifting from a lot of different circumstances and situations and I feel like, you know, I'm I'm put in this position to to heal and, and unite people and not divide people. Level next podcast. It's Greetings to my You're listening my name to is Moni Pearson, also known as La Doodlebug. And in September of twenty twenty two, I had the privilege of meeting activist Tamika Mallory at an event held by the Root Institute in Washington, D.C. And she had a lot of gems to drop about issues that affect the black community. And I love how she spoke on the space that we are starting to take up in areas where we have been a lot more silent about the needs that we have in the black community. So I am going to play a clip of one of my favorite moments from this event, and I hope you guys enjoy. And thank you for tuning in. Well, next podcast. podcast. It's the Doodlebug. But then we all, those of us who are sitting in this room, want the knowledge, who have the knowledge. We have to be open to teaching and slow down enough, um, and you know, deal with our frustrations and our pain and our own issues that we show up with. 
enough to, to understand that our people are, we're, we're sick, right? Like we've been pumped sickness our entire lives and so many of us are trying to unlearn that sickness, we're trying to heal from it. And so we have to provide safe spaces for people to show up and say, I need help understanding what I don't know so I can be a better me and a better advocate for all of us. That's a big reason why you know I'm running independent because I don't want to really get caught up in the, the party politics, you know, this this side and this side. I want everybody to understand, and I think that we can work out our differences, and we can sit down at a table and focus on our similarities instead of our differences. Do you um, do you feel that partisan politics um, are productive or counterproductive? Do you have an opinion think- about it? I think use, I think use improperly is definitely, you know, counterproductive. You know, uh, I think that we as servants, you know, we're put into a certain situation. You know, I've been a registered Democrat my whole life, you know, and I'm going, you know, it's because of situations, parents, you know, everything for, you know, your culture will put you on a a party line and sometimes you know when when you're in that situation you forget that you're fighting against people because of their you know uh, party choices I think that's the most uh, horrifying thing that we can do as Americans I think that's the most uh, uh, immature thing that we can do as citizens I think at the end of the day we all pretty much want similar things in life. We want our kids to be safe. We want our communities to be safe. We want to be able to go to work, come home. You know, we want to love our families. You know, we want to make money, uh, you know, be successful, you know, live in a a, a safe environment, a healthy environment, eat good food. I mean, look at all the similarities that we all want to do. Absolutely. At the end of the day, if we let, like, you know, what our party is, decide on how we treat each other, then we have defeated the purpose, you know? And, you know, I mean, it's, too, it's so much, um, you know, hate in the world and lack of people understanding about, we all have civil rights, you know, no matter who you are and what you are, and you know, what you stand on, you know, it still falls down to civil rights. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that answer. Okay. So obviously most people know you as an entertainer and a comedian, right? So how has the transition to politics been? You said it's been what, four years since you've like kind of three and a half years. uh, Yeah. How has that, how has that transition been? Like, has it been, has it been challenging for you to, you know, be taken seriously since it's such a vast um, difference in the way you would present yourself? Um, well, people ask me all the time, you know, Red, are you serious? And I always tell them, you know, why would I joke about helping my community uh, be safer and better? You know, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm a comedian, uh, 10% of my life when I'm on stage, but 90% of my life, I, I work in production, you know, I run film companies, I, you know, 
I'm on a serious mode at all times. You know, I've employed over thousands of people in my life. I've um, worked with companies like BET and Firecom, MTV, Comedy Central, um, to produce over 25 productions. You're listening to these shows have touched tens of millions of people that I was pre social media. So, you know, when you look at, you know, the job that I'm applying for, which is the executive office of the mayor, you know, a lot of times people don't understand that is a job of a person that should be not only a leader, but a business person who understands how to run corporations and companies because this city is a big corporation, you know? So when you, you know, when they ask me that question, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to be rude, but I tell them, you know, you know, maybe you might want to understand that I'm just this 10% of my life and the other 90% is production and, and being super, super, um, uh, a leader and also a person who actually uh, understands business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's real. Like, okay, so what have you learned from being on the front lines? And because I've seen you do a number of um, events lately, um, and I definitely, yeah, what, what, what do you say you've gained from, from this work that you've been putting in recently? Um, I think I've been on the front line since I started. Um, I, I think I've been on the front line even when I was young. You know, you know, my my parents uh, are frontliners. You know, they taught us how to be on the front line, whether it be you know, cleaning up our community. You know, my mom used to always tell me like, go outside and, and pick that trash up in front of the house, and I come in the house and be like, you know, I pick the trash up. And she'd go out there and look. She was like, nah, I'm talking about the, the trash on the whole street. <laughs> <laughs> I just think I, just, I think it started there, like being front line and always trying to, you know, make our community look better. We always planted flowers and make sure we uh, clean up the neighborhood and, you know, these things. And I always, you know, coach kids. And my since I was young, I was I, I played sports and, you know, coaching kids, you know, kids to this day, when I worked at DC Parks and Recreation, you know, to this day, they always say, you know, coach, man, we're so glad you helped us when we was young. And I was like, you know, I just feel like that's the frontline work. A lot of people really don't get credit for the frontline work. And, you know, of course, making people laugh, that's frontline in it's, itself. It's like, you know, you never know what people are going through. Um, and just, you know, and delving into, you know, my, my, Nonprofit, which is you know, don't shoot guns, shoot cameras, is just like a whole nother situation. You know, helping these young people learn how to write films and, and shoot their own films. And I feel like you know that's that's a big front line, uh, uh, you know, obstacle because of the simple fact that when I was in school, uh, they said I wasn't a great writer, and now I write for some of the biggest companies and corporations in the world and artists in the world. So, you know, I mean, to answer your question, as far as like, you know, frontline is always happening in my life. So I deal with people on, on, on a frontline basis every day. And I think that we all should be on the frontline. You know, it's easy to be a general on a horse, tell people which way to go, but it's more respected for that general to get off the horse and walk with the soldiers and be with the soldiers. 
So I just I, I live by that that whole uh, situation, and I, I think we all should live like that. Absolutely, absolutely. I definitely. I used to um, mentor uh, like several years ago. I want to get back into it. So I completely agree and understand like what you're saying. It's like we all got to do our part. Like, just it's so necessary, especially these babies. But I wanted to ask you what going because I'm definitely going to get into your don't shoot guns shoot cameras program. But I wanted to ask you, what do you feel that the residents of DC needs? Like I want to I want to go back to DC and some of the things that you feel um, needs to, you know, change or enhance or like, what do you feel when you think of the um, like DC residents at this present time? Well, I think the D.C. residents uh, definitely need love, care, and respect put back into the whole atmosphere of our city. Um, I feel like they need to be listened to and heard because, you know, it's, it's easy to be a politician that just, all right, cool, yeah, all right, all right. But did you really hear them? Did you really put something in place so it would help their needs, you know? And uh, if you look at the organizational chart of Washington, D.C., and the D.C. government, you know, at the top it says residents first, and then it says mayor and deputy mayor and, and city council and fire department, and police department. But at the top it says residents, and also often the resident, residents get forgotten about. And that's something that, you know, is needed that the residents be heard again. You know, you know, we have a public safety issue in our city and our, our residents need to feel safe, know they're safe. You know, I was talking to some kids yesterday and they really are really afraid to come outside. You know, yeah. that, that's sad. We, we need public safety, the real public safety. And, you know, it's a, a lot of uh, uh, people in our city that are super afraid right now. No, we need our youth to be, you know, hugged again and loved again, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, people always say, you know, well, they don't care if you're not. No, nah, our youth do care. They care. But if you keep saying that, you know, that, you know, they don't care and, you know, you can't change things and you can't change their life and you can't do, no, nah, then you defeating the purpose of who, who you're supposed to be, you know. They do care. You know, our seniors need those real programs put back in, in, in place for them. You know, they they want to feel that energy and the love too. You know, you know they aging, but you know they love to be loved and play games and you know have programs. You know, so I definitely know that we need more programs in our city that can help the youth and, and our seniors. Uh, we have a homeless issue in our city that's probably top four um, in the nation. And, you know, we being the nation's capital, we have to be an example, Absolutely. you know, for the nation. And I don't feel like that's an example that's being, you know, uh, portrayed through our city. Also, you know, when it comes to, you know, health care, you know, people really need real health care. And that's... You know, sad that people can't go to the doctors when they're sick. You know, that that's something that we super, you know, need to pay attention to right now. 
and it's you know you know people always talking about affordable housing but you know you got to make 34 dollars an hour just to live in dc they got a two-bedroom apartment and you know if you don't match up that to you know uh affordable real affordable housing then we're gonna be in trouble you know the whole middle class has been cut out of washington dc you know, so we got to bring back a diverse middle class that really focuses on people who work really hard every day. I mean, get up and work hard, hard, hard. Like, they work hard. So, Absolutely. you know, that's... Um, I wanted to ask you, because um, you, cause you definitely... Um, I, I had a question about the housing situation. Um, how do you feel about DC's gentrification and the $82 million that was meant to provide housing that was misused? Um, the, I remember reading a Washington Post article about those funds. Um, and, you know, a lot of people just felt like it was, you know, just a part of the blueprint. And that's the way they're going to like write the narrative. But what do you feel about that particular situation? sad um, when I read that article it, it made me want to uh, my door can I can I close my door real of quick of course of course okay. absolutely so sorry I'll answer I'll start a little bit yeah, it's fine. Absolutely. Um, do you want to re-ask the question? Oh, well, sure. Okay. So, tapping back into what you, because you um, said the word housing. So, I want to ask you about this gentrification situation in D.C. How do you feel about D.C.'s gentrification and the $82 million that was meant to provide housing that was misused? I read an article in the Washington Post um, probably, you know, a couple weeks back and was so infuriated, but I just, I wanted to get your thoughts about that. Like, what do you feel about that particular situation? Um, well, gentrification is happening, um, but that's not the huge problem. You know, the problem is when you have $82 million missing that's supposed to go to people to afford housing, to live in the city, you know, is the problem. You know, like a lot of these places that's going up, you know, they don't make room for the people and the citizens and the residents that are from here, that been here all their lives, four or five generations of families. And that's the real problem. And even people who move here say it's a problem. <laughs> you know, why Why are you guys forgetting about the people who are here? We didn't come here to kick everybody out, you know? And But but that's what it seems like, you know? It seems like, you know, you guys move here, they're kicking everybody out. No, the government itself is not allocating the proper funds, the, the, the proper funds to make it fair in our city. Mm -hmm. You know, the first thing that you learn when you uh, are growing up. One of the first things they teach you to share, right? To be fair and share, right? Is uh, 
it's not fair and it's not being shared here in the city. And that's a problem. So when you don't share and you don't allocate and you know people are suffering and not making enough money to, to live and you still at the same breath look at them and say, <laughs> so make it on your own, you know? Oh, that's their problem. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, no, these are like I told you earlier, these are hardworking people to get up every day and work. So don't try to make people look like they're not working. They are working, but they can't afford what they're working for. When you get up and work every day, you just want to be able to afford and live, like I said, in a safe environment, happy, comfortable environment. People don't ask for much, you know, they just ask to be able to, for people to be fair and share. And that's sometimes what happens. And $82 million is supposed to be allocated for people um, that are less fortunate. It's a shame, you know? And you're giving that money to people who are fortunate, which makes it more a shame. Yeah. So um, it saddens me. Um, but we're going to work on that immediately as soon as I become mayor of Washington, D.C. That's right. that's happened on my watch. Right. Well, um, let's get back into your nonprofit outreach program. Don't shoot guns, shoot cameras. Now, does the program provide school credit or job placement opportunities for participants? Yeah, we, we do. Um, we, we actually uh, have some super success stories coming out of that program. Well, a lot of our youth going to college that were going to do something else. Now they want to be filmmakers, you know. Um, and we do find um, job placement after they finish, you know, that cohort and come back and become mentors to other students. Then we place them in jobs. Also, we open up our Rolodex to them uh, fully uh, and we, we make relationships with different film production companies, television production companies and that uh, want to place our kids. And, these, you know, we started this program two years ago when I partnered up with the Hustle Skill, uh, Yasmin Selena. And in two years, it's, it's definitely taken off and um, showed how powerful things can be when you um, really stick to the visions. Uh, we have been showcased on uh, Good Morning America, C- CNN, AB- AB- I mean, ABC, uh, CBS Evening News, CBS Germany, Washington Post, and many other articles have been written on this program and it, it it humbles me to know how you know if you just put the work in and just you know open your program up to uh, these young people they will show you how powerful they really are and you know instead of looking down on them you know lift them up so that program that program means a lot to me uh, and many other programs that I'm, I'm creating right now, um, but that one is like the—that's the baby of, <laughs> of the programs for me. Um, are there any success stories that you can share from the um, "Don't Shoot Guns, Shoot Cameras" program? Do you have anybody specifically that comes to mind? I, well, I think you know uh, all of them are success stories because you got to understand these kids come to me and be like, you know, Mr. Grant, you know, I was. Some of them, one, I, I, some of my examples are, you know, I was in the streets, I was 
carrying guns and I was doing all of this, man, this program just got me out of that situation and just helped me, you know, look at life differently. And I appreciate you, you know, and now I just want to be a filmmaker. You know, to me, that's a success story. Absolutely. You know, Marley Richardson, you know, who's uh, going to Georgia State University, who's now a film major, you know, and and now, you know, she did she did the uh, Good Morning America interview. And just to see her speak so eloquently on tele- television, you know, it brings tears to your eyes. And just, you know, just like that proud father type situation. So... No, but every story is a success story when you meet these kids, you know. They uh they're truly uh the heroes here in our city. Absolutely. Um will you we be shining brighter than the suckers other cities with this program? Yeah, we expanded last summer to Los Angeles, uh Inglewood and uh Mayor Butts he, he let us come in and uh film all over the community so last summer we did two pro we did dc and la um and we're going to expand to chicago uh baltimore detroit miami uh we just doing it on the slow uh, virgin islands u.s virgin islands uh wants us to come there and you know so many people you know have access and now we're expanding to the schools uh into the curriculums you know bringing our curriculum in putting it together with other schools curriculum to put don't shoot guns, shoot cameras within the schools and um, training other teachers to, you know, like regular teachers to uh, teach our our students how to film and get these thoughts out of their head. So uh, it's it's an exciting time. Every day is um, something new with that program. We have a credible staff, incredible people who help run the program and we're always looking for more volunteers we're always looking for um, more students so they can always go to don't shoot gun shoot cameras.com or dcgsc.org uh, and, and just stay involved with the movement uh, it's, it's funded by uh, <laughs> personal finance <laughs> I put money, my friends give money, mm-hmm. uh, the citizens give money. Uh, yeah, it's, it's privately funded. Uh, we haven't asked for any government funding. Um, we haven't gotten any government funding. funding. And it's incredible. We, we definitely asked for stuff. <laughs> asked for it, though, but, you know, that's about, you know, getting your grants uh, uh, okayed and you know having a great grant writer which we do but you know you know they don't always want to give to you know, these programs which is sad but we find a way you know we ask for donations and if you want to donate you can go to don't shoot guns shoot cameras dot org uh, or DSG I'm sorry don't shoot cameras uh, don't shoot guns shoot cameras dot com or DSG SC dot org uh, and you can donate as much as you want <laughs> as much as you can word to that you know, no, we that's always have to donate awesome. always donate 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 because it definitely helps you know it takes a lot of money to run this program you know so we definitely need as many people involved and we do give you a credit and we do <laughs> make sure they know that you donated so well, you become a part of the program that that's right rock that shit homie step back 
just like that. Bastard! Drop the beat. New music. Yo, stop running and use your head. First single on Infinity and a Child EP. Shadow Humans. What's good, Lou? About to put some food on the grill later if you want to come through before you go to work. Hey, guess what, bro? A couple of Vince friends coming through too, dog. I have a friend that you need to meet. Make it forget all about those thoughts that you've been hanging out with. Y'all, I thought we discussed this. Don't you want what your parents had? Don't you want love? Hey man, it's less BS when you with one woman. One day, all this will have you missing out on the one. Don't you want love? What's good, Lou? No spots that you can with one woman. The one. What's good, Lou? Man, didn't y'all cook out yesterday? Man, somebody must still be drunk. This wild, like, Groundhog's Day. It kind of has some advantages. Hey, man, don't let all that ass get you caught up. He wouldn't know a good woman if she was right under his nose. I don't want to give my heart to just any woman. Who knows? The right person may be right under my nose. There's a whole lot of thoughts up in here. In summer of 2021, I had the privilege of playing the role of Deja in a short film called Days, which is reminiscent of the 90s movie Groundhog Day. Um, it definitely was an amazing experience. And the plot of the movie is really dope and it taps into some of our mental health types of things. Much love to the writer and director Julia Jules Proctor, along with the executive producer Marlon Christie. Um, Shout out to the cast and crew of the movie. Um, You guys were great as well. I just wanted to make sure I gave this short film um, a proper shout out. And I will be covering more details. And you can see the trailer on my website on moniepearson.com in the blog section for Level Next. And back to the interview with Red Grant on Level Next Podcast. Three, two, one, go. But yeah, that's absolutely amazing, especially for the kids, because that's what that's what it's all about. Honestly, we have to like start with these babies because they're hurting. That um, it's a lot going on now. Want to transition to your to you, um, Red Grant, the person. You know how how do you balance work and home life? Has it been difficult for you wearing all these hats and and then you know? home life and that sort of thing. How has that been for you? Um, not braggadocious in no way, but it's always uh, difficult to balance. But, you know, I, I've found a way to be a father, be a husband, be a businessman, be a stand-up, <laughs> uh, <laughs> run for bear, Travel, be you know, travel and be a service, you know, you know, serve our, our communities. And you know, I schedule it properly. I don't get a lot of sleep, but I sleep enough. <laughs> um, but I, I don't want to complain about you know what God has me doing and the opportunities that He has me, you know, in front of me. So. No, it's not difficult. It's just, you know, it's about 
do you want to do them? Do you push yourself to do them? You know, I think a lot of people make excuses of why they can't get stuff done, but, you know, but they make time for other things. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I was built for this. I was made for this. And when I'm no longer here on this earth, I want people to understand that he worked hard as heck and he cared and, you know, he left it all on the court. Basically, I left it all on the court. Jordan left Word. it all on the court, you know? Uh, so through injuries or whatever, I just continue to go. My wife be like, I don't see how you do it. I don't see how you do it. I don't see how I do it either. <laughs> just look back and see all of it got done. <laughs> I did. It got done. Take it one day at a time. That's awesome. Now, you are part of the World War Three tour with Cat Williams, and mm-hmm. um, you're about to be at Constitution Hall in a couple yep. of days. Um, what's your favorite part about being... Um, about being a part of this tour um or working with cat williams and company like i remember watching you guys um american hustler and um i had to like i used to like in the dvd era like that used to stay in the rotation and i'm not just saying that like i literally loved that special and <laughs> and you, you i was probably too young you was probably too young to even be looking at that well, thank you thank you i have grown <laughs> kids so thank you uh, thank you thank you <laughs> but no how is you know how is it working with cat williams how is it um being on tour like what's that what's that like for you um i think i think just you know working with cat is an awesome situation you know, 15 years ago, we did that uh, American Hustle. And we all was like uh, babies, just, you know, having fun. And now, you know, I don't think we really, we still had the same fun. You know, it's like, it's like when you go on tour with your friends, it's a little different than when you go on tour with people that you don't you know, uh, don't rock with, or they don't rock with you, but, you know, I rock with everybody, but, but that, that's my man. He's like the most talented brother that I know. Super smart. He's always teaching me something. Uh, he's always honest. And, you know, he's just a, a, a real guy, real, real cool guy to be around. And he's a real friend. And, giving, loving, a good, good father, mentor. So, you know, when you're around that, you know, when you're around the GOAT, you know, <laughs> you know, you just try to bad a little bit. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a GOAT sound, but... <laughs> I think that's a sheep. <laughs> I don't know what the ghost sound like. <laughs> I see the ghost a little. <laughs> it's one of those sounds. <laughs> okay, you know, so. The tour itself, man, the World War Three tour is the best tour in the world right now. You know, Cat is a symbol, so uh, uh, superheroes, he called them. He called us superheroes. He's uh, superheroes, and, you know, we like the Legion of Doom, and when we come to your city, you're going to feel it. And every city we come came to so far has felt it, and, and it's crazy because it doesn't get the 
the attention that it deserves. But I don't care because every show is sold out. You know, you know, you look out, you come out there and you see thirteen thousand people. You're like, oh my gosh, this is uh, surreal. And um, and that's like on a nightly basis. And we just put up another third show in DC. And you can go to Ticketmaster if you guys are watching to get those that, those third shows. And he asked me, he was like, we're going to do a fourth show matinee. I'm like, ah. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, nah, but, you know, it, it's been it's been a great ride. And so, you know, comedy's been good to me. Um, that tour is uh, working with Linnell again and working with Mark Carey and uh, Zoo Man and, and Jim Thomas. It's just like, you know, it's like it's the people on this tour, like, I mean, from the beginning and as soon as that show starts and it starts on time, that's why I love this show. Because it starts on time. So you ain't in there sitting all like waiting on the show. Nah, boom. You get your seats. <laughs> you're going to be, it's, if you come late, you're going to be missing something. <laughs> that's why I love this tour. You come late, you're in trouble. Word. Yeah. Word. That is so awesome. I can't wait to check it out now. I, I have to ask you. Who were your comedy inspirations? Like, do you have any idols in this industry? Like, do you, did you have anybody that you just looked at and was like, man, I got to do that? Or, you know, just, just gave you all this energy and excitement about the comedy arena? Um, I think, like, Sinbad and Martin Lawrence and Robin Harris. R.I.P. to the homie. <laughs> yeah. Dick Gregory, you know, he's, uh, you know, I started following his story a while ago, but, you know, I reflected on his story as they started bringing out the showtime. And I was like, damn, we, it, God got me on like a similar path, you know, of uh, being in the business, making uh, money and say I'm going to go serve and be, you know, and give up a lot of things to do it. So, you know, and that takes a, that takes a lot. That takes a, not only a person who cares, and, and, but it takes a, a, a person who understands what they, they're here for. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that, that motivates me. I, I mean, still to this day, you know, cat. Cat motivates me, of course, you know. And it's, it's a lot of young young comedians that motivate me. I love DC Young Fly. I love um, Carlos Miller and, oh, man, uh, Chico Bean. I like some of my female comedians, like, you know, uh, Jess Hilarious and B. Simone. And, you know, I'm, I'm on tour. They like they, they call me uh, OG, so I'm always around them. But it, it feels good because, you know, you can learn so much from people, you know, young or old. You can just learn so much, and they 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 know I got my swag. It's like I got cultural swag. I'm, a, you know, there's certain people in life like you know Snoop and Jay Z and, and P Diddy and all of those people that you know still have cultural swag and lead the culture. And I feel like I'm one of those people. So you know, we're gonna continue to rock on. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, now, can you tell me about a moment where you might have had an awful night as a comedian? 
um, did you learn anything from that experience? Was there a silver line? And do you have any like, like memories of like one of those nights that you were just like, yo, like, or you reference back to that night, like never again. <laughs> Can you tell me anything about that? Um, one night at the Apollo many years ago, I, this is my third time doing the Apollo. And I think Levert was supposed to go on or something before me. And someone went out and got booed. And I can remember Steve Harvey coming and say, Red, I'm gonna put you on. You make them laugh and get them back up before I put Levert on. I was like, all right. So I go out there and I say to the Apollo crowd, I said, I see y'all booing people out here. I don't care, y'all can boo me. And before I can get the next word out, it was booze <laughs> all through the room. And I tried to fight it, but I found out that day you never ask somebody to boo you. So they will oblige, huh? <laughs> yeah. And I came back rough. Later, yeah, a year later and rocked them out, but I never would ever ask the Apollo to boo me. <laughs> Absolutely. I hear that word. That's a true story. <laughs> oh, and I left out of there after I got those days. I walked 122 blocks uh, from the Apollo down to uh, ninth, uh, West Ninth. Ninth, and it's down to, uh, like, like, I don't know what they call it, West something, but it was like down to Ninth Street. I, I, I just walked. So, In reflection. Yeah. You reflected on it. Oh, super reflection. <laughs> I hear that one. I do. So, okay. In conclusion, because I appreciate you making time for me. I definitely, I really appreciate and enjoyed this conversation. But what do you want the people to know and remember when they hear the name Red Grant? What do you want them to feel? What do you want them to think? I just want them to know who Rodney is uh, and how he cared about people and how he wants nothing but the best for his community. He wants people to put their differences aside and love one another again, care about one another, respect one another. And that he worked hard for, for the people. And he was a God-fearing man and he loved his family. So that's what I want them to know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, Mr. Grant, sir, I really, you know, good luck on this campaign. And I know that you are blessed and highly favored. I love the fact that you're independent. That's just me speaking for myself because partisan politics are so divisive, in my opinion. But I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And, you know, um, hopefully I will get out to some of these events that you got going on because you've been out and about. And, you know, I just think it's a really great thing that you have going on. So salute to you and much respect and love. Absolutely. Thanks, MP. I appreciate you. And don't hope. Be there. I will be there. I will. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Level, level, level. It's the Doodlebug. Level.